gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Ash Cheeks Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Taylor, and I am stressed the fuck out and exhausted, so let's just get right into it. (sighs) The next couple of weeks are going to be absolute hell for me, and I know I need to stop bitching and just be grateful. I'm working on my shitty attitude, but like I said, I'm just really freaking stressed out. Um, There's a lot of shit that's going to be going on for me. Big changes the next couple of weeks, and my job is stressing me the hell out. My boss is stressing me out. There's some changes going on with my company. Um, We're launching like a new product. I'm trying to relocate my whole entire life. I have to go out of town for training. I have to go out of town for another project. And somehow I have to pack all my shit in like the next couple of days. It's just a lot. And I'm stressed out and I'm eating a lot of chocolate. I've also been highly emotional, like highly fucking emotional, real fucking emotional, crazy bitch emotional. Um, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, and then I've been sad. And I mentioned in the last episode, (laughs) I mentioned in every episode about going to therapy. If you talk to me longer than 30 seconds, I'll talk to you about fucking therapy and how great I think it is. Um, Anyways, I mentioned in in the last episode that one of the things that I am focusing on through therapy right now is allowing myself to feel things. Um, my therapist pointed out to me that one of the problems, like my, um, inability to form connections with men is because I don't allow myself to feel things. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with me trying to cope with things and cope with, uh, things from my past. And, um, instead of just allowing myself to feel any emotions that I think are inferior, things that I don't want to feel, I just don't let myself fucking feel them and I just shove them down and shove them down and shove them down and shove them down. Then it gets to the point where I can't fucking feel anything. And so I'm trying to work on that. We kind of discovered this through two different scenarios. Okay, pause. One of the reasons I am such an advocate for therapy right now is because I think mental health is so important and I think everybody should go to therapy, whether you're going through something or something's quote unquote wrong or not or whatever. I think that it's just really good for everybody to have somebody that they can talk to that's going to give you an unbiased opinion. You can literally tell everything to and they help you keep things in check mentally and emotionally. I tell my therapist absolutely everything, and that is the only person who I tell everything to. So, we discovered my inability to feel things, how I don't allow myself to feel things, and blah, 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 through two different scenarios. One was my last relationship, and the other one is the death of my friend. My last relationship. Okay, if anybody in my life besides my therapist, were to talk to me about my ex, uh, like anybody, my friends, my family, whatever, I would act like I don't have any fucking feelings towards that situation, like I have no feelings towards that man, whatever. I'd be act totally indifferent. And really, that would be me just being fucking prideful and not wanting to feel stupid, I guess. I don't know. Um, I thought outwardly, like, okay, I was over that situation. 
Whenever I started going to therapy and the relationship had been brought up and my therapist would ask me questions, I could not talk about the situation without very, very, very visibly being triggered emotionally by it. Like, very, very emotional about it. And so that showed me, okay, I have some shit here that I haven't dealt with. Uh, obviously have some pretty strong emotions still tied to this relationship that I haven't properly dealt with. And then the same thing with my friend. One of my best friends was killed almost a year ago. It'll be a year ago in a couple of weeks. And she was murdered in a domestic violence incident. Uh, She was shot and killed by her ex-boyfriend. I... That was a really traumatic experience for me. I had never lost somebody that close to me and in such an awful way. And I also don't think that I... I know I didn't properly grieve that. I didn't really ever allow myself to feel anything for that. Um, I lo- Well, I take that back. To me... I thought I could be sad for like a couple of days or whatever and take a day off work. Um, But then I needed to go back, get my shit back together and go back to work on Monday because I had bills to pay. My company wasn't paying me to like cry. And I don't know. I think I just felt like I'm supposed to be a strong person and I was supposed to hold it together. And, um, And I think also part of me wanted to carry on go about my day as normal and that was kind of my way of coping as well by distracting myself with things like work and going to the gym and I was training for a competition and like I just tried to stay busy and distract myself and whenever I would have those times where something would hit me randomly like I don't know maybe a memory or just something like you think about somebody that you miss and you get fucking sad. Like whenever I, that wave would kind of crash over me, I would never allow myself to be swallowed by it. I would just always like, I might cry for like a second, but nobody's going to fucking see me cry. You're not going to hear me talk about it because I wouldn't allow myself to really, um, stay in that state. There's something that I heard a long time ago. It was like, allow yourself to feel it, but not to become it. Like you can allow yourself to feel sad, but don't like become sad. And I think that kind of just fucked with me for a long time. Like I was always, I didn't want to give in to any kind of negative emotions too much because I didn't want to become those things, especially being somebody who has historically most of my life, I have struggled with Uh, I can't say most of my life, most of my adult life, I guess, yeah, since I was probably in middle school, I've struggled with depression specifically. And the last couple of years I've been in, um, I've gotten to a place where I felt like I was a lot stronger mentally and emotionally and that I could handle my depression. And so I didn't ever want to feel sad again because I was worried I would like slip back into that space. So, um, another thing that I've kind of been an advocate for the last couple of years is using the gym and exercise as a healthy space to process through things that you're struggling with mentally and emotionally. Um, years ago, especially in my early twenties, I dealt with my depression and anxiety with alcohol and drugs and like 
meaningless sex and like just whatever I could get high on or like fill myself with for a little bit just so I could feel anything that felt a little bit good just for a little while just so I didn't have to fucking feel bad and all that shit just left me feeling way fucking worse like all that shit left me emptier than it found me and through the last several years I would say I don't know the last four or five years that's kind of where I really discovered using the gym and exercise as a coping mechanism for, for and a healthy coping mechanism. I was able to get off drugs. I wasn't taking prescription pills anymore. I would still drink occasionally, but nothing like I did when I, in my like wild days. And um, I really fell in love with working out. And that became kind of my saving grace. Like anytime I was dealing with something that made me upset or something that made me angry, I would just go to the gym. And I do think that it's health that is, um, it's definitely healthier than doing drugs and getting drunk to deal with your pain. But too much of any one thing I think is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, so for the last year or so, anytime I have felt sad or I felt angry or I felt guilty or whatever about my friend's death or anything else that I've been struggling with, I've gone to the gym and I kind of have feel like I've suppressed my emotions and I've, um, it, it has been a great release for me, but I didn't allow myself to fully grieve the loss of my friend or like my breakup that like really hurt me because I just didn't let myself feel sad. There's another quote that I heard recently that says, you have to feel it to be able to heal it. So that's something that I'm trying to work on. And let me tell you, it has been fucking excruciating at times. Let me explain. So in the last episode, I mentioned I feel a lot of guilt associated with my friend's death. Um, again, my one of my best friends was killed. It was September 11, 2020. She was shot and killed by her ex-boyfriend. And I feel... This is so hard to talk about. I... I can't talk about a lot of it because I have to respect the timing of things. There's still an ongoing investigation. Um, but just so that you can kind of understand the weight of what I'm dealing with emotionally and why this has been so hard for me, other than the fact that it's just fucking traumatic. I come from kind of a background of domestic violence. I grew up surrounded by domestic violence. Uh, a couple of my first relationships as an adult were very, very, very abusive. And it took me a really long time to realize that that's not okay and that those types of environments are not what love should look like and how a relationship should be. So fast forward to me being in Charlotte and uh, like I said, one of my best friends, she got into a relationship that was abusive. And 
It went on for a year, literally a year, because from the very first time that man laid hands on her, he actually got arrested for it. It was September 11th, 2019, and a year to the day he killed her. Um, so that went on for a year, and that was my best friend, so I knew about it. I mean, anytime anything happened, whatever crazy fucking story of whatever he was doing, I knew about it. And it was very triggering for me in my past and um, the drama and just some of the, like what the, what she was dealing with, it was my best friend. So it was starting to carry over into my life as well. And um, something had happened and it was affecting me personally. And again, just being kind of it triggered some things from my past and brought up some past traumas for me that was hard for me to deal with emotionally. And it got to a point where I told her, like, look, if this guy is going to be in your life, then I can't be anymore. And a week later to the day, he shot and killed her. And I... Um... I don't think I'll ever stop fucking feeling guilty for that. I feel... I just feel really guilty because I feel like I kind of left her maybe whenever she needed me the most and no matter what anybody says to me, like, there's nothing you could have done and it's not your fault and blah, 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 blah. Like, it doesn't fucking matter because... Um, there's nothing you can say I don't think that's going to make me feel any less guilty. Like, I I just carry so much guilt from that still. And I know probably if she was, like, we had reconciled things enough to where she, like, a couple, a couple of days before he had killed her, she kind of was like, oh, I can't even fucking talk about this. I just had to, like, pause and collect myself for a minute. Um... But basically, anytime I have felt sad or guilty or whatever, I even maybe I'll like let myself cry for a minute and then I'm like, okay, okay, like I gotta do something. Like, oh, I have to cope with this in a positive way. I need to go to the gym. And so I would like make myself stop crying, like wipe my tears, whatever, drink some pre workout and head to the gym and then deal with it there. <laughs> it, I was at the gym last week and this guy came up to me and he was like, and I was pissed. I was thinking about this motherfucker that killed my friend. And I was fucking pissed off. And this guy came up to me and he was like, whoa, like, calm down. Are you okay? And I just, like, like took my headphones out. I was like, what? And he was like, you look really angry. And I was like, I am fucking angry. I mean, I didn't say that. I just kind of, like, I'm sure played it off and laughed about it or whatever. But, like, that's how I've tried to deal with all my emotions. Like, I don't, I don't let myself feel anything. And so... Now that I'm realizing how that's not a good thing because it's um, making me unable to feel any like formed connections with people, like I know it's something that I need to work on. So I've been trying to be very cognizant, like whenever I'm feeling a certain type of way, to actually let myself like stay in that moment like in that space for a moment and feel it out and like really allow myself to feel how I'm feeling so when I'm feeling sad 
instead of trying to like quickly change my mood, listen to happy music, go to the gym, eat chocolate, do whatever the fuck to like make me happy. I'm trying to just let myself feel sad. Like you have to heal it or you have to feel it to be able to heal it. And it's fucking hard, man. Like it's been hard to find that balance between allowing myself to feel my emotions, um, but not to become them. Well, enough about that. There's my mental health update for the week. Speaking of mental health, I had a really good interview for this week's episode with Andrew Dietz. Andrew uh, was on HBO Max's F-Boy Island, but he's way more than that. He has a career as a first responder, and we had a really great conversation about his experience on the show, his career, how he got to be be a first responder, Um, and we talked a lot about mental health surrounding that occupation and having to dissociate from things that you see on the job and then also trying to navigate relationships and form healthy connections with people while you're dissociating. Um, He provided a very interesting perspective that I think a lot of people can relate to that are in similar career paths. And then for me, personally, um, I previously have dated a first responder and there's things that Andrew talked about in the interview that I never considered really in my relationship um, or I didn't really understand the weight of it. So I think that Uh, People who are in similar careers can relate, and then also people who are in relationships with people who are in similar careers can relate to that as well. Another thing that we discussed was friends with benefits. And while we were discussing friends with benefits, I decided I needed to throw some research out there. And I just want you to know, uh, (laughs) in the conversation, I was talking about hormones, hormones that are released during sex, not chemicals. I did make one reference where I was talking about chemicals being released in your brain during sex. I'm a fucking moron. It's hormones. Oxytocin and dopamine are hormones, not chemicals. I'm a fucking idiot. And I also talk about how I was good at chemistry in high school. So fuck me sideways. I'm a fucking moron. Just keep that in mind while you're listening to the episode. If you're thinking, wow, this girl is really fucking stupid. You're right. I am pretty fucking stupid sometimes. If I had time to go back and re-record the whole fucking thing just because I felt like such a dipshit, I would. But guess what? I don't have time. So that's how we're going to preface that one. Anyways, Andrew Dietz, hell of a guy. We had a great conversation. So once again, sit back, relax, and enjoy the fucking show. Welcome to the Ash Cheeks podcast, Andrew Dietz from F-Boy Island. Thank you for joining me tonight. So for anyone who has not seen F-Boy Island. Um, It is HBO Max's newest reality dating TV show. And basically the premise is like there's 12 nice guys and 12 F-Boys. Why do they not just say fuck boy? I don't know. Uh, We asked and we never really got a straight answer. Also, we didn't know that was the name of the show until after we finished filming is another side note. Yeah, I want to ask about that. Okay, so there's 12 nice guys, 12 fuck boys. Three girls, and they're basically each week the one each girl will choose somebody to eliminate, and they're trying to kind of weed out the f boys and hopefully pick a nice guy in the end. There's a hundred thousand dollars on the line. Um, so back to what you were just saying, you how did you get a like? Did you get approached about the show? So I just, you... 
I got an Instagram DM like the fall, like early fall 2020. And then so we flew to the Caymans the end of February 2021. So it was a long process. Yeah, I got a DM, super ruled it out and thought it was bullshit. And then did like, I think like almost 10 total Zooms of like casting, casting, and then like the production team. And that eventually is like HBO execs. How did they find, did you find you on Instagram? Did you have like a big following or was it just totally random? It was totally random. I asked the lady who initially contacted me, and she she didn't. She said she wasn't allowed to give me an answer at the time that she DM'd me. I remember I looked back, and I had like twenty eight hundred followers, like no no social media following at all. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Then I wonder how they like were. Yeah, I asked, and she was didn't give up shit. <laughs> so the ten ten Zoom calls, kind of like ten interviews. That's a lot. What were what is their um, selection process like? Do they go through mainly? I just want to know: Are they looking for you to be like entertaining, or do they like really go through and ask you questions to try to get to know, like, see where you're at mentally and emotionally? Does that makes sense. They ask a lot about dating history, like a lot about dating history, a lot about just history with women in the past in general. And like, obviously, like, because when we were doing the interviews, we didn't know that they were going to be labeling F boy or nice guy. Um, looking back, a lot of the questions make more sense now. And they ended up airing some of the F boys clips in the show, which was, I thought was super funny. But like, looking back, those were hilarious. Dude, that was... Like, I couldn't tell if those guys were all really like that or if like, like those guys, the clips that they showed were like pretty much just like how those guys are, and they're honestly like the the whole cast was like good dudes. Like it was, it wasn't like a parallel between nice guys or f boys. Yeah, good guys. They just kind of like they conducted themselves in a different manner, really, and that's kind of the big difference that I think was picked up in the interviews, and then that's what led to like the labeling on the show. I think definitely through getting to know all the guys or what you can see at at, like as the audience i know it's totally different for you guys being in that environment and you guys were filming was how long you told me eight weeks seven or eight weeks about yeah right up to eight weeks and then we had the quarantine too at the beginning but oh yeah so like that's a long time to be around each other and in the middle of a pandemic and everything i'm sure you got to know all of them very well and even just from what we could see um, as the audience, like you can tell that they are good guys. They yeah. all have good qualities about them. And I think the whole F boy thing, my, before I was kind of like, well, what exactly is the definition of a, a fuck boy? And what my definition of it would be like after watching the show and like how those guys carried themselves, I feel like it's just guys that aren't looking for anything serious and are just kind of like fucking around and they'll tell girls whatever they need to hear to be able to do it. Like, yeah. I mean, more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten asked the same by like my parents and like their friends are like, what even is an F boy? And I'm like, dude, I, like, I kind of don't fucking know. Like it's <laughs> right. the, the difference isn't like black and white between like us and them. Like we've all had hookups and one night stands and kind of oh. like, like that gray area in the middle. Yeah, for sure. Um, so did they have you, during that interview process and everything, did they have you select, like, identify yourself as a nice oh, guy? Not at all. We didn't know that that's how the show was split until we got to the islands. So they, based on how your interviews and everything went, they yeah. were like, 
these are the nice guys and these are the fuck boys. Yeah, and there are a couple guys that could have gone either way, depending on, I think, like, mainly the producer's calls. Oh, really? They wanted to play it, yeah. There were a couple guys that were, like, unidentified at the beginning, and then they kind of let it play out a little bit, and then they gave him the title. Is that why? Who was the guy who said no, that? No, that wasn't, that wasn't, no, that wasn't Charlie. Charlie just kind of, I don't know. I love Charlie. He's a really, really good dude. I don't know if he like fully understood the the distinction that was given to him. Uh, like, like within the reality TV side of it, it's pretty fucking black and white. Like you either say you're an F or you say you're a nice guy. And I think there was something kind of got lost in translation because that was shitty. Like, cause I mean, he really like he's a sweetheart. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was hilarious watching because he's like he goes up to say or Nikki asks what are, are you a nice guy or an F way he's like I'm a nice guy and then she's like wait yeah. there's really hours and hours of footage of you claiming to be a fuck boy <laughs> I think everyone on like the production side of things knew like that they could capitalize a little bit on it yeah the show yeah. is hilarious like, like you sign your life away Whenever, what, for, like... Like, they can, like, cut you and make you look really however they want to. Like, uh, when you to do that, you really do kind of sign your fucking life away. What was it like for you being... Are, were you worried about that? And, like, worried about how you might be edited to look? I really wasn't. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty much, like, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not the type to, like, really do any, like, peacocking shit just because there's cameras. Like, it was, like, a really weird, like, alpha testosterone-fueled environment, for sure. Like, I mean, it was, like, nowhere in the world, really, is it going to be, like, that dynamic. Um, but I, I pretty much, like, stay within myself as a normal human in, in normal life. So I wasn't too worried about, like, really doing anything stupid in that world. And it's kind of, like, unfortunate, because you're right. In, this, in an environment where there's 24 guys that are all, like, fighting for the attention of three beautiful women, and there's a bunch of... They're making a production out of it. Like, there's literally cameras and a whole crew around. So, like, of course, guys are going to be... I like the word that you use, peacocking. And, like, so you almost get punished if you don't kind of make an ass out of yourself. And it seems like if you make yeah. an ass out of yourself, you get, a little, you get rewarded in a way with, like, screen time. Um, and I would have to go back and watch like the first couple of episodes, but like, I knew who you were a little bit from Instagram before and we can get into that in a second. Um, and then I, like I, I saw you and Josh and Jamie were all like knew each other, but I didn't know how. And then I saw like the, once the show was announced or whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, like I have to watch this. I know three of these guys and, um, I can't remember because I was like watching the first couple episodes when I was getting ready one day and it was just like I felt like all of a sudden you were gone and I was like wait I didn't even get to like we didn't get to know anything about him so that was kind of like I feel like disappointing because you have what for the little from the little bit that I do know about you just from following on social media and like I knew we both were living in Charlotte at the same time um but I was interested in learning more about you and your background and everything and how you got on the show. So, like, what tell talk a little bit about, like, your career and was reality TV 
something that you were kind of striving towards? Um, well, no, to answer that, like, absolutely not. Like, I actually kind of had to be a little bit convinced to do it. Really, what sold, what sold me was just as soon as they dropped the location, because for a long time, it was just like untitled island dating show. And I was like, all right, cool. And then they were like Cayman Islands, and I like hopped on. I literally just fucking like Googled it, and I was like, all right, that's pretty sweet. So I was like, all right, I'm in. Cool. Um, in terms of like my career, though, like no, like my whole world has just been a firefighter, EMT, an ocean rescue lifeguard. Like I've never been like gearing myself towards reality television or anything <laughs> like that at all. So when the opportunity came, but basically like my two roommates who were. Um, like really good high school friends in Charlotte were pretty much just like, yeah, dude, like just do it. And I was like, pretty much. Yeah. Like I'm in, I was like, I'll, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'll kind of ride this weird little wave. And like, to me, like life's about experiences and like cool little chapters along the way. So I was like, sure. I'm in. Awesome. So you are like trying to be in the entertainment world or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Did you always know that you wanted to be a first responder? Um, so no. So like looking back, basically, I made my college. I wanted to play college lacrosse and like I did and it was cool. But I was so geared towards playing lacrosse in college. that Like my major was like a secondary thought. Like I picked business because it seemed basic enough to be like not that hard. And yeah. like by your sophomore, junior year, you need to pick a focus. So I picked finance because I was like sick. You know, I'll get rich and I'll drive a fucking like Mercedes and whatever. And then like towards the end of college, I started to feel it fade where I was like, dude, I, I don't think I can do this. But I was like so far into my degree and like my, my whole family is like pretty educated. So really like I, I, dropping out to me wasn't really an option. So like, I got finished. Um, an opportunity presented itself to go to England to continue to play lacrosse and get my master's in finance. And I took it. And basically that's when it kind of caught up to me that my heart really wasn't in it. Um, I look back, my dad's in the medical field and my mom was an ER nurse for a long time and is still a nursing professor. And I kind of just always thought it was so, so cool how they were able to work so directly with people and, and like help and be a, a positive influence in people's lives. And I basically, I remember I called both parents from England and was like, hey man, like I think I'm done. Like I think I'm gonna change direction. And like both were, you know, super supportive and were like, you've never really made a shitty move in the past. And you know, we trust you as long as you can come back and figure some shit out pretty quick. And I did, I, I was pretty much down in Savannah within I think like two and a half months. Wow, so that's, that's okay, a lot going on. So you played lacrosse in college. Yeah opportunity to go to England how long were you there not long it was like I think like right about a month okay but that's a cool experience that had to be kind of just like followed my gut and read everything that my body was telling me and my mind and heart was telling me and I was like you know like England like the, the experience was cool you know seeing the guys that I met stay and do the whole experience obviously there were times where I was like shit that looks pretty cool but to me, I, there was just another another path for me that, you know, didn't involve a master's in finance. And that's a pretty big change, too. I, I had a similar story whenever I started going to college. I was going for one thing, and it was the same. I did well, excelled in, like, chemistry in high school, and my, like, teachers and parents, like, pushed me that way because that's where I could make more money. And then I got into it, and I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. And I t went a completely different path. So for you, and making the transition from – 
pursuing like business and finance and then going into a career like as a first responder I definitely respect people that go into that career for many reasons but as people I feel like they tend to be like compassionate and um empathetic and like like kind of what you described as strong you want to be able to help people and to make a positive impact is that something that you feel you have always maintained that growing up and or was it something that hit you whenever you were in England and in the midst of all that and you were like wait this isn't fulfilling no I mean I think it's always that been there and I think I owe that really to my parents and like you know like it sounds really cliche but like I'm a really big mama's boy and growing up man like me and my mom were always just super super tight and like she's the type of person that'll just like fucking drop anything and go help somebody and I think I picked a lot of that up from her and when it came time to kind of transition your passions to your professional life, I think is when it kind of shown through of like, like I said, like, fuck, I'm not supposed to be working behind a desk for, you know, a bunch of guys that are already rich. Like, wh- like where, where's the substance in that? So I think really the influence of seeing both my parents work in the medical field and like the really close relationship with my mom who like walks the walk and talks the talk of always being somebody that's going to be there for people no matter what just was so so instilled within me that like I said when it came time to like basically figure my shit out more or less it was pretty fucking clear that like anything I wanted to do I wanted it to revolve around others and kind of supporting like more or less just supporting like the greater good of helping other people along the way did you go straight when, whenever you realized that? Did you go straight into a career um, as like an EMT firefighter, or was that kind of the end all be all for you? Or were you exploring other things? Like, okay, I know I want to help people and make an impact. Was that the way, the route that you wanted to take, or were you kind of exploring other things? So when I got home from England. Um, my mom was like, all right, you know, big change. Move, I, like, I moved back into my fucking, my mom's house, which was a tough, tough change at the time. I've had. Um, so I got back. She was like, all right, like, take a week or two, take a deep breath. I, I have some family that are police, and they were basically like, it's a really, really tough time to be law enforcement. Like, and it still is, you know. Um, and, like, one of them basically was like, dude, look into firefighting. Because he knew, so I... When I was finishing up in college, I started taking some classes in the School of Health Science and Human Performance because I love the human body and, like, the health and fitness and nutrition. And he was, he knew that I kind of had that background a little bit. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, like, a lot of that job is emergency medicine. And he knew that that was a huge interest of mine, too. And, and basically, as soon as I put some serious thought into, like, the firefighter EMT, like, route, I was, I was sold. I was like, I'm in. Like, I'm... I was like, I'll give it a shot. Like, again, man, like, follow my gut. And I applied uh, probably, like, six or seven cities down the coast. And I told myself, I was like, whatever city calls first, I'm going, no questions asked. Because at the time, I wasn't in a position to be picky for shit. Like, I had to just, I had to go and get started and, and figure it out as I went. So Savannah called, and I think it was right about, like, a little over two months was kind of like when the process really started to roll and then they gave me the conditional offer and I was like, all right, yeah, I'm in. That's awesome. Um, did I know, so I have mentioned that my ex worked for the fire department and I remember um, him saying that some of those guys wait like years. Yeah. 
to get a job. Did you have a hard time? Like, did you have a long waiting period? I didn't. I got I got really lucky, and I I was told the same thing going into it that you know like be prepared for a little bit of disappointment along the way. Stay focused. Stay positive. And you know, for whatever reason, like you know, a clean background and like you know, fairly well spoken in an interview process. I guess I was able to I was able to get locked into a you know real real good department right away. Which I mean, same thing, man. I heard a lot of people along the way be like telling me to be prepared for a long yeah a couple shitty breaks but I, I must have just gotten pretty lucky so then how did you end up in charlotte so i was in savannah for like three years loved it really was like uh actually it ties into that same shit because i had a ton of friends in charlotte and they were like you know charlotte fires hiring a bunch of people told me about it like a bigger department with more opportunities more or less and i already knew people and it seemed like a cool change you know i'd been in savannah for three years felt like it was time and um i applied assuming i would have to wait and go through the process a couple times because all i heard was how hard charlotte was to get on and i got a call from them too like right away and it it sped up my decision making process where i wasn't prepared for it i I was really set waiting a year or two and you know riding out a little more time in savannah and then charlotte called with the offer and i was like fuck dude so I said, yeah. I was like, I'd rather make the call now, go, as opposed to looking back and being like, shit, I should have jumped on it when I had the chance. Right. I'm going through that right now with them. Uh, moved to Florida with my company. So how how long did you have from when you accepted the job and you had to move to Charlotte? Not long, like a week or two. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I wish my situation was like that. I was just talking about this recently. I have... One of the things I can appreciate about you from the like little bit that I've gotten to know you so far is like you um, take risks and like you'll pack your shit up and move somewhere and like okay like I don't know what really what's gonna happen but you you go for it and I've done the same shit I've had a couple of moves where I like whenever I was in my early twenties I packed up and I moved to California and then like I moved to Charlotte in four days. Now I'm moving to Florida and I have like a month in between and I can't stand it. Like I'm so anxious. I feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin. It's like too much time. So how long were you in Charlotte? Uh, About a year and a half. Okay. And then you went to um, that, that you left from Charlotte to film. Yeah. So yeah. So my lease at the end of my lease in Charlotte, I was looking into going to California and then the show came up and, and basically same shit as I said earlier, just like a really, you know, once in a lifetime type, like bullshit little opportunity that I was like, you know, I'll go. And then I did the show, came back and like timing wise, it worked out for me to just pick up the ocean rescue work in Savannah for the summer and just have like a super low key beach summer. Um, you know, like I've, I've been really just hanging, like, you know, surfing a bunch and like just working on the beach. Yeah. I mean, it's really not bad. Like, great, great tan. Giving me shit. Like, do you really like work? And I'm like, yeah, like it's a job. I just happen to be on the beach. And then I told myself as it gets closer to the fall, I'll figure my shit out. And that's pretty much what I'm in the process of doing right now. And it looks like I'm leaning, um, towards getting into the world of like online fitness and nutrition coaching. Okay. I was going to ask you about that too. What would you say is, I know, like, as a first responder, um, a lot of that can be fulfilling and, like, you feel like you're making an impact. 
but I know it's not all easy either. Like, what would you say is one of the most challenging aspects of your job? Specifically what you're doing right now, but it just like in general, you're yeah. really like right now it's obvious. Like it's when I was fully riding a fire truck, riding every medical call, I'd say the hardest part is like normalizing the kind of nasty shit that you're exposed to on the job, meaning like the drugs and alcohol and like domestic violence and, and kind of like a lot of the all kinds of violence that, you know, we respond to. And, you know, you get off shift in the morning and you, you're kind of supposed to just shift gears and and leave that at work. And sometimes that's tricky. And there's a lot of the culture is changing for the better. And like, I know it's the same shit with like mental health and a more broad scale, like less first responder type lens. But it's, it's the old school bullshit of like you know suck it up and swallow it down and and to me I, that that just is to me is kind of messed up like I don't think that I, should that would be very hard for me because I'm extremely empathetic and I feel yeah. things like very deeply so how and I remember my dad uh, one of his best friends is um, a police officer and I remember him talking about you guys see a lot of the same stuff like, yeah with, oh yeah we ride uh, yeah we ride with those guys pretty much every call yeah, and um, I remember him saying, like, how hard it is sometimes, like, situations that he's seen, especially involving kids, and then, yeah. like, just really having to, like, numb yourself to it. Did you feel like it was tough to, or, like, you had to kind of decompartmentalize? Is that the right word? Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Like, like, what you saw at work and then going home and, like, just not feeling any emotion towards that? Did it carry over into your personal life? It does. I mean, it's, it's it's just like there's really no way to fight it. And I was given some really good advice by one of my first captains. And he said, like, anything that you like to do, do more of it. So for me, honestly, it sounds stupid, but it's the fucking gym. Like, I love, you know, mm -hmm. challenging my body and seeing how shit reacts. So, like, I would put a little more energy into that and then, like, maybe go for a long run, a long swim, a long bike ride. And he was like... The other side of the coin there is if you find yourself doing something you don't normally do, then call me or call somebody and ask for help. And, and basically what he meant by that is like, I'm not a drinker really. So like he was like, if you find yourself fucking like eight beers deep, like give me a call because you're not doing well. He's like, anything you like doing, do more of it. And if you find yourself doing something you don't normally do that's when you really, really would, should reach out to somebody. I love talking to guys about mental health because I think that men need to be, men need to hear from other men that like it's okay to talk about. Yeah. So did you ever find yourself in your job like or, or during your career where you had something that you had seen while you were on the job was like causing you to maybe drink or even if it was a, a like a positive vice like the gym or whatever but you knew like okay I'm using this right now to like I saw something that I'm not okay with yeah. and you, so whenever you felt like that then you were aware that it was like messing with you and that you needed some kind of outlet did you talk to somebody about it? Really, man, like my mom, like I'll call my mom and talk to her for like an hour and a half. And I'll call my dad and talk to him for like an hour and a half. And I mean, like I, there were a lot of times where I'd cry and kind of like a little bit break down that way. And more or less, like I remember a lot of times the only thing really coming out is like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I, like, I know I'm good at my job and I know the other three guys on that fire truck are good at their job. And like we did everything we could. And, and sometimes the shit just doesn't go the way you want it to. Yeah. And like as as well trained as you are, and as smooth as you are, and how you operate on a medical scene, it's just 
sometimes that's not the day and like that the more or less it's you're just like you're pretty helpless and you're like i just don't know and like you're crying and you know yeah. that's sometimes i guess what parents are for because yeah there there were mornings after and like afternoons the night at, or the day after a shitty shift where like i would talk to both of them for like over an hour yeah well that's good that you're open to like talking about it and not just like totally compressing your feelings and because i think that can eventually like explode yeah that's um, nightmare. <laughs> do you feel like having to compartmentalize your feelings like that um and dissociate from things did that affect your ability to form relationships at all uh short term yeah i think short term sometimes you're just very closed off like temporarily because of some of that shit at work and for somebody that's not in that world for somebody that you know has never really been even close to that like that's why i was awesome talking to my like mom especially because like she used to do home visits in this really really shitty low-income poverty-ridden parts of syracuse new york and you know also her time as an er nurse she like she she gets it you know like she sees the nasty side of things that the majority of the public will never see and to the like friendship wise like both my two roommates worked in the business world like desk jobs working from a laptop so there's really no connection there if i wanted to like kind of try to level on some playing field like there, there wasn't really a playing field there um and then same thing with girls like if I was talking to a girl at the time, like, really all I would have to say is, like, you know, not a great day. Like, I'm, I'm dealing with some shit, and it's kind of like, you know, I know there's a really high divorce rate among first responders, and I think that's obviously part of the reason why um, sometimes it's hard to find people, it's hard, it's hard to find, like, a medium between you and somebody who's never really been in that world. Yeah. I didn't know that, that there's a high divorce rate amongst first responders. Yeah, I think it's like it's like top one or two worst occupations for it. Really? That's so interesting. Yeah, I think it's like oh, hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's, obviously the weird hours don't help either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you're working what? Like, are you always working 24-hour shifts? Yeah, you're working like 24s and 48s. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be tough on a relationship. And then also I feel like that you do have to take on a lot of emotional stress and uh trauma really like some of the shit that you yeah. have to is very traumatic and i can imagine um the weight of that and like trying to also figure out how to navigate relationships while you're dealing with all of that yeah yeah i mean that's just like the open and honesty i guess more or less yeah so have you had a lot of we didn't get to hear a lot about your dating history on f boy island are you more of a relationship guy like are you typically in long-term relationships or do you date I'm a lot not, I'm, I'm not i'm historically i'm not a long-term dating guy um and i like truthfully i really have just always been super super lucky to have like a very full life like both savannah like college you know i was always i spent 90 percent of my time with the same like 10 idiots who like i lived with and all played the cross with and like none of us really dated just because we were pretty much always around each other and then savannah like heaven fire and the ocean rescue people and then like just a million friends in a really cool city it was never like a priority for me um like i know some people will bring up timing a lot like age as a number being like oh it's about time i start dating and i guess i've just never really seen it like that 
like the need to kind of force that into your life. Like, like I've had incredible girls come along who I do like end up dating and spend time with and, you know, whatever context that may be, but I've never really prioritized it as something that like I need to check that box. Like it's time. Yeah. Were you open to dating like prior to going on FBoy Island? Were you pursuing relationships at the time or? Again, not really like actively going out and saying like it's time for a girlfriend kind of thing. You know, I've never been closed off to it. Like it, the, the really like the girls that I've really ended up dating have all come very organically into my life. Like yeah, like kind of happenstance, random type shit, and then you kind of just like click with somebody and like it starts like that, and you kind of just ride it out and see what happens. That's to me how it's usually worked. Um, I'm never, yeah, I've really never, like, put pressure on myself around the timing of it to, to be in a relationship. I think that people do, especially, especially women, I think, feel it more, like, by a certain age. Yeah, like, I mean, that, yeah, it's definitely different. Or whatever. Um, but men, I think, probably could feel some of that pressure, too. But I agree with what you were saying. Like, I think anytime you're looking for something it's so easy to make the wrong thing or to try to make that's the wrong what, thing. That's what like really terrifies me. So yeah. like growing up, I ne- like, I like both, I'm super, super tight with both my parents, but like together, like just straight up, like shit wasn't great. Like I never really saw them like embrace. I never like saw a super healthy relationship growing up. So like to me, I've always held a very high standard of what like a long-term relationship should be. So like the forcing part of it, it's like, you know, two out of three or something, for example, like right, right time, right place, like maybe the right person, maybe not, but like, let's see what happens. Like that shit scares me. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that terrifies me too. And like, I'm 27. Like I'm not, I'm not like 18. Like I get it. Like I get that. Like people are going to start having comments and like, but honestly, man, like, I, I've been pretty good at, like, blocking that shit out. Like, I'm 27 and about to, like, completely change chapters in my life. And I've left two departments with, like, awesome pensions and benefits. But, like, that's that's my path, I guess. And, like, yeah, as long as I'm figuring yeah. my shit out and, like, I have a roof over my head, like, everyone else can, like, just kind of, like, trust like, me to figure shit out. That's how I can say you're on your own time. You're on your own timeline. You're not on anyone else's timeline. Yeah. You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now and everything will play out for you like it's supposed yeah. to. So you were not going on F Boy Island to find love. I know some of those guys are like, I'm here to well, find love. I'm like, Bullshit. I think, <laughs> I think all right, so I think out of the entire hold on, let me think. I think out of the entire cast, I think Jamie Jamie was pretty open to it, I know. Jamie's such a sweetheart. I think he would I think yeah. he was very open to finding like a legitimate connection there. I think Sean maybe too Sean seemed like a good guy. Sean is an angel. Like Sean is absolutely incredible human he is awesome i think for the most part the guys were going like for the experience like i know a lot of the shit gets thrown around like the social media type influence um for me that really wasn't it like i don't really like i don't live in that world like i don't like i'm kind of thrust into it a little bit just because i did done the show yeah like, i'm still kind of feeling that out but like for me it was the experience it was the travel and it was the it was the meeting new people. Like, the crew side of thing was, like, 200 people. So, like, I got to meet people all over. So, like, I wouldn't say awesome. I was, like, looking for love, like, as a really, like, set yeah. thing. 
of why I did it, but I wasn't like closed off to it. Like if there was a connection there, like that's a cool, funny story. Yeah. If you, it wasn't. <laughs> I was going to say, did you feel like you, like, I know a lot of shit gets cut. Like, did you have any connections with the girls? So I, so I had a, like a really solid conversation with Sarah. We got some one-on-one time the night before the first elimination. Okay. None of that, none of that made it. So I pretty yeah. much got eliminated looking like I never talked to a girl, which is fine. Like it's, you know, <laughs> is what it is. Um, didn't really talk to CJ who seems super cool. Like CJ seemed dope. Um, talked to Nakia for like a minute or two on like one of the nights when we were all kind of just like scattered around the cottage just hanging but really yeah the only like the only like set conversation I had with Sarah and like we had a cool talk I mean obviously not cool enough but did you guys get like a lot of time with the girls like was there much chill time that wasn't shown on camera or is it really just centered around Uh, when they would do yeah it's really just when they were there like even like night before the elimination i'm pretty sure we had like all day just chilling with the guys and then the girls came over at seven and then like left at 11 and that was and then the next day was eliminations so like in that time i literally i got like 15 minutes with sarah and like went and introduced myself to nakia with like um like a glass of white wine or some bullshit and then basically the girls like you know we're out and then we're like okay i have to ask Get the end with Sarah and Garrett. Right? Just watch it. Yeah, I just, I just find it. So at the end, Sarah picks F boy Garrett over the not- nice guy Josh, which is my friend. I was like, <laughs> I know, but I know. Then Garrett chose <laughs> the money instead of Sarah. Were you guys shocked by that? I mean, not really. Like I. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gotten so like in my like my friends and family and whoever has watched the show that like I know have been like what's Garrett actually like and like I don't I don't want to speak negatively on him because I didn't get enough time really one-on-one to like feel him out as a human but like truthfully I've kind of just been like I think like what you see is what you get for the most part like he knows it was a game he was playing it as a game and like obviously kind of comes across like a dick but I'm, like, 90% sure he fucking knew that going into it. Like, he's a really smart dude. Like, I don't think he went into it with, like, any false aspirations of, like, oh, I'm going to, like, not be a dick. Like, I think he no, kind of yeah. knew his right. angle. To anybody watching the show, he looked very straightforward. And, like, he said yeah. from the beginning, I'm going to win this thing. And he did. Yeah. I mean, he did win. That's why, like, he... I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's such an asshole. And I want to be like, yeah, like, he kind of fucking, like, he never hit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think he's just charming enough to where, like, Sarah kept buying into it. And, like, whether or not that was, like, real emotions or a little bit of storyline or whatever it may be. Like, he never really, like, faked a lot. So credit to him there. Yeah. But, yeah, that's why I was kind of, I don't know, surprised by after watching the show... Everybody acted like they hated him. They thought he was such a dick. And then on social media, like everybody's friends, you got like everybody's all commenting on each other's pictures. Yeah. So I was like, I guess like, is it was he nicer in person? Was that was he just like portraying a character for the show and like, but he's really a good guy. I think it was a lot of like almost basically a character arc. Like I think he kind of knew his angle and like in terms of playing the game and winning the game and like earning screen time more or less he, he knew the role to play and he did same shit with Chris like 
Chris did the rat thing. Like I, I was next to Chris for two weeks of quarantine. I think Chris is a great dude. He got a lot of hate for that, but I think that's another thing of like part of the dumb little game. And like, I don't know. I think people. I don't think anyone in our group really got too butthurt about who did what or who said what because at the end of the day, we're making a fucking TV show. So like, be a grown ass dude and get over it. Right. <laughs> And it did seem like guys would kind of act out just to get, I don't know if it's necessarily like like a kid acting out or whatever and wanting attention. Or if, like I said, it was just part of it. Like, you know, okay, I'm on this show. Like, make a scene. Like, be entertaining. Yeah, I know. And I think like... A show where like there's 24 guys and all of them are super sweet. Like, that wouldn't be interesting. (laughs) No, if it was just a show with, like, me, Paul, and, like, Tariq, it would be the worst show in the fucking world. And, and, like, looking back, like, that's probably a regret that I... I I probably could have done, like, a little more to, like, stand out or, like, make things a little more flashy. But at the time, I was kind of just, like, really set on staying in my own, like, my own self and my own how I act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Looking back, probably could have done a little more, but I, I would have rather erred on the side of what I did and had like my mom and my dad and my parents' friends being like, "Oh, you know, he looked handsome on TV and conducted himself well," rather than me like kind of slipping up and like saying some real dumb bullshit. <laughs> right, and then being labeled as an F boy. Yeah, and then being like, "That sucks," because now it's I mean, it's there every fucking thing we did, there were like 15 cameras around us. Yeah, that's crazy. That had to be weird to get used to. Yeah. Were they there all the time, or was it like you had certain time no. filming? Yeah, yeah. So like basically, on um, when we were getting filmed, it was like a really like slow build. It was a lot of like hurry up and wait type shit. They'd be like, all right, you know, cameras are here at eleven. We want to be rolling by eleven thirty, and then like we would never would fucking be on time. But like the cameras would show up, and then like audio would show up, and then producers would start to show up, and it was just like a slow little build up of like actually doing something. Um, but no, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a fucking like black and white Jersey Shore type like hidden camera shit. Oh. That's what I was worried about because number one, I was like I fuck around a lot, like just like between the guys, I was like that's gonna be. Uh, I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> no, I just mean like dicking around, like saying dumb yeah. shit. Yeah. But no, it was pretty clear when we were getting filmed and when we were because we had the fucking the the necklaces were mics like so we were oh, mic'd up oh, and de mic. Why are these guys wearing matching necklaces? Yeah, we all planned like matching fucking tiki. Be- <laughs> That's crazy. I never yeah, noticed. Yeah, that was the mic. So like we would, like I said, part of the slow build leading up, they'd be like, "All right, go get mic'd," and then like at the end of the day, it was like, "All right, we're cut for the day. Go get de mic'd." So it was very clear like when we were on, when we were off. Okay. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Uh, do you know if any of the couples are still together? So, I, I o, OG Jared and Nakia, I believe, are, like, for sure giving it a real shot. CJ, Aww. New Jared, I think maybe. I don't really. New Jared keeps his shit pretty close to his chest, like, just as kind of how he operates. I think they might be. I'm not sure. Because I think Casey still, like, chirps around them a little bit. Yeah, but I, I mean I don't really know the details. Um, and then I I don't think Aaron, Karen, and Sarah are, are doing too much. Yeah, I don't think they. <laughs> I don't think. But they I mean, do. like two weekends ago, we were all in LA and we saw everyone, and everyone was pretty, or not everyone, but most of the cast was all together. Were Garrett and Sarah together? I mean, in the same room, they weren't like they didn't like come and go together. No. Yeah, but, but they like, didn't they 
have words. Oh, it wasn't like a weird like where we had to like keep them separate or anything. <laughs> Looking back, man, like the, a lot of like those girls, that was a long like two months for them filming that shit. Yeah, I feel like, like we had a, a lot for them to deal with emotionally too. Yeah, I, no, for sure. I mean, there were yeah. some long nights and early mornings. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I said I wanted to ask you about, just because I wanted to have the, like a male's perspective on here, um, I did a poll recently on my Instagram about friends with benefits situations. The question was, for men, have you ever had a friends with benefits situation where the woman did not eventually develop feelings? And then I asked women if they'd ever had a friends with benefits situation where they didn't eventually like develop feelings for the guy and like want something more. Now, the whole thing that sparked this is one personal experience. I've only ever had like one situation. I didn't have feelings for him. He didn't have feelings for me. But like any other time I've tried that, it doesn't fucking work for me. <laughs> and so I was doing research on it. Um, and it's literally down to like, the chemical is it comes that chemicals that are released in your brain during sex. So like for both men and women, dopamine and oxytocin are released. Dopamine is the like feel good, like we're having a great time, everyone's excited, and that's pretty well equal in both men and women. Oxytocin is more um it's like called the cuddling hormone. I don't know if it's a hormone, whatever the fuck it is. The shit that's released in your brain. I don't know. I'm trying to be scientific, but um, oxytocin is supposed to, it's like what makes you want to cuddle. And it's like the precursors for bonding. Well, oxytocin levels are much, much higher in females after sex than they are in males. So like women, for like men, I feel like sex is more of a chore. Like with one goal in mind and for women it's like this bonding thing so i feel like like, whole experience yeah 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 so that's why i feel like it's harder for women to dissociate and to not develop feelings whatever because it's a bonding experience for them do you have you had situations where like it was just sex and like the girl did not get emotionally attached or eventually want something more so I think in my experience with friends with benefits, it's it's really just like a variation of like how long you can like hop on the train before it hits the brick wall. I feel like they pretty much all are fucking headed towards like some kind of disaster. <laughs> and like whether or not it's I'm trying to right, I'm trying to think if it's like more on the side of women feelings, women's feelings or men's feelings. Um, to me, I, I don't think it's like super distinguished one way or the other, but I don't think there's really that many ways that it ends positively. Yeah, it's I don't. Usually, to me, the usually it gets to the point where the conversation comes up is whether or not you're like the two are exclusive, and then it complicates shit. Right. In my yeah. experience, like I think it's like you can have your fun and like ride your wave and like fuck around. And then, like, one month, two months, and then, like, a little bit of feelings creep in. And then eventually, like, the possessiveness kind of kicks in or the jealousy kicks in from whatever, like, deep-rooted, I deep-rooted heard, issues, not heard, issues, experiences. I heard recently women control access to sex and men control access to a relationship. Do you think there's truth to that? I think the women can, yeah, the 
first one, the women having, what is it? The access to sex? Yeah, women control access to sex. Controlling access to sex, yeah. I mean, I feel like that stems even, like, from college. Like, I remember in college, like, if one of us, like, one of us fucking, like, morons in the freshman dorms, like, got laid the night before, it was like, dude, you were able to get laid. And, like, on the girl side, it was like, oh, like, you gave it up kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Like, that, that's, I feel like, has been around. Yeah, I mean, that's and pretty I, much, like, I how it's always been to me. Yeah, I definitely believe there's two that because there's never been a time where I'm, like, trying to have sex with a guy and he's been like, no! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I also have never been in a situation where I've been having sex with a guy and then he, like, eventually wanted a relationship and I was like, no! Like, I definitely feel like it's more women tend to develop feelings more. And I really think a lot of it has yeah. to do of that it's like a bonding thing for women like they it, you can say that you're just having sex or whatever but like eventually you're going to have some kind of some kind of feelings whether you want a relationship with him or not you're going to get jealous if you see him kissing another girl at the bar exactly. or like, that's just like real basic exactly so that's why i kind of feel like it's impossible another factor though i wanted to ask you do you think timing has anything to do with it like i also heard the only and you kind of mentioned, like, however long you can ride the train until it crashes into a brick wall. I've heard that, like, um, friends with benefit situations tend to be, like, more successful if the timing between sex is, like, like if there's, like, a more significant period of time between, like, when you're having sex. Do you think there's, like, any... Wait, what do you mean? Between, like, sessions? Like, hookups. Like, maybe, like, you're hooking up, like, once a month or, like... like yeah, if, oh, for sure, yeah. You're hooking up, like, several times a week or whatever. I was gonna say, I've fucked that up before to where, like, you dive in, like, real hot and heavy. And then all of a sudden you realize that you're seeing this person, like, five times a week. And that that's, that's gonna build, like, the emotional side of it pretty quick on fucking both sides, really. On, like, right. the male and female. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, if I had to, like, you know, go the fucking scientific route with it and, like, draw it up, I'd say maybe, like, one or two times a week for Friends of Benefits is, like, healthy because I've I've messed it up. Where, like, you actually, like, I mean, you have, like, a good time with this person aside from the sex, but both of you aren't looking for a relationship. You still end up, yeah, fucking in each other's house, like, five or six times in the first couple weeks, and then you're kind of screwed from there. <laughs> yeah. I think at that point it's real real hard to separate like the emotion that builds up over spending that much time together right away yeah so what are your plans now for a little bit back to your personal life like you did the show you came back you were living in Savannah again What what's next for you so right now like I love the fire service and emergency response but to me, the the next chapter is online nutrition and fitness coaching. I've I've like in the in my past, like the gym and like health and fitness really like saved my life from like a weird time with like drinking and drugs. And to me, it's it's become such like a staple and passion in my life that it, it checks a lot of boxes. Like I'm able to still work with people and positively positively influence people. But it COVID like created this world of online coaching overruling one-on-one -on -one coaching so like the freedom and flexibility off of your fucking laptop is just incredible and like if you're smart and well-spoken and look the part and, and kind of know how to play the game a little bit and really just fucking talk to people and connect with people 
the money's there. Like people want to get better and they want to turn some shit around. And like, for me, it's really cool because, so I used to be like pretty heavy. Like I I used to be at my top numbers were like 245 and like a 38 waist. And right now I'm 185 and a 32 waist. Okay. And so like, I'd be able to kind of connect with people and be like, listen, like I remember looking in the mirror and being like, fuck, this sucks. Like, yeah, as much as you don't want to admit it, like it's a little bit embarrassing and you just want to be a better version of yourself. And people want to see that it's more relatable. Like if people yeah. are looking at, like a super fit person who's always been super fit, exactly. Like, who's extremely obese. That's intimidating because yeah, you're like, like oh, I can't. I'm never going to be able to look like that. But like when they see somebody who's been in a similar situation before, it makes it seem way more. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and like I have some of those funny old pictures that I could eventually be like, listen, like I'm fucking telling you, man. Like there was a point where I was like, this sucks. Like, yeah. I wish I was better looking. I wish I was more comfortable with like a shirt off or even like a fucking tank top on. But like I'm not because I know where my body is and I know where I want it to be and I'm not fucking there. And like now, I, like obviously there's always room for improvement and like I got shit I'm working on, but like. For the most part, I'm pretty much there in terms of being, like, real comfortable in my own skin. And it would be a fucking honor to be able to, like, educate myself with, like, a bunch of the certifications you can get online and, and just continue to learn and, and help people along the way go on that same journey of, like, figuring out that, like, it's not this fucking mountain that they're looking up. Like, it it's changes here and there. It's, like, you know, no soda, drink more water, less booze, like, less fucking, like white bread and processed bullshit and more apples and spinach like it's yeah it's not some rocket science crash diet it's just a little bit of education and some discipline more or less exactly what what got you into you mentioned playing lacrosse so like have you always been athletic and always been into working out or is that something that you got into more whenever you started working for the fire department and you needed a way to like cope with what you're seeing so, no, I mean, it, it was certainly driven through sports. Like, I was kind of always, like, baseline athletic enough to get away with it. And then I went to college and just, like, wasn't really getting any playing time and was like, fuck, you know, these kids coming from all over. These kids can fucking play. So I had to really start to figure my shit out off the field of, like, preparation and, like, agility and speed, really, more or less, was, was the two big things for me, more than strength at the time. And, and I have a very addictive personality. Like, I struggle with moderation and, like, really all aspects. And, like, it's something that I'm aware of. So, like, you know, I'm yeah. dealing with it. But, like, I really bought in. Like, I, I, I got with, like, our strength conditioning coach at the time, who was a fucking awesome dude. And just we did a lot of one-on-one shit. And he taught me a lot of stuff. And, like, you know, you take it with you. And it's just another tool in the toolbox. And now I feel like I'm in that weird little, like, transitional chapter in my life where I think I'm making the right move, kind of getting into this world because it's something that I give a shit about. And I think I'm pretty good at it. Like, I get asked a lot of questions, like, without any of the fucking initials behind my name that prove I know my shit. I was going to say, I wouldn't have known that you're not necessarily, like, certified or whatever because you're, um, like, the aesthetic from looking at your social media, you seem very much into fitness and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, so now I just got to add the letters and kind of, like, formally, you know, make my way into that world. So you want to be an online coach, essentially? Yeah, yeah, more or less. So, yeah, like, talking to the resources that I know in that world, it seems to be, like, a 70-30 split of, like, 70%, a lot of online coaching, you know, writing programs, writing diet plans, and then you can still do the one-on-one client work for sure, depending on, you know, what's available in your area. Money seems to be there. 
Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Like, I also read something online that was like, um, becoming a, getting your personal training certification is job security in the United States because eighty something percent of the population is overweight. Unfortunately, yeah, and like you still see it in the fucking like gas stations. And I look back into just like fucking grade school, man, and like the algebra and geometry and shit. Like, there's goddamn calculators. Like, fucking buy a calculator. And then maybe tell a kid what a carbohydrate is, or that <laughs> fats aren't all bad, and right. that water is really fucking good for you, and that soda is bad for you. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, there, that's obviously like that's one of those things where that's pretty far above my fucking head to like change it to that level. But like, if I could just start to chip into it a little bit, and like, so many people are like, I get asked a lot just by like random people on my social media, like, you know, do calorie calories really double after 9pm? And I'm like, no, like, you can't double a goddamn calorie. Like, hey. if you're eating fucking like sugar cereal and whole milk every night after nine, that's shitty. But if you want to have like an apple and almond butter, that's fine. Yeah. And then yeah. people are like, is fruit bad for you? It has sugar. I'm like, no, a fuck. God damn it. No, fruit's not bad for you. Like, it's never going to be bad for you. <laughs> there's so many misconceptions like and it's pretty wild yeah and, and we're like, americans and we're lazy and everybody wants a quick and thing. everyone dude that i've told like that everyone it went from like fucking 20 minute abs to like 10 minute abs to like two minute abs and i'm like well that's just not how that works it's not gonna happen yeah i'm like so, Fuck. <laughs> so um have you seen some growth and like your um platform since being on the show like basically my question is are you going to be able to kind of leverage some of your experience on the show and maybe the exposure that you've gotten to help you be able to uh, kind of grow your online coaching business yeah for sure I mean it hasn't like taken off like I mean I wasn't like a star of the show so it hasn't like taken off but I know they're trying to get us verified which like again is a dumb little thing but in terms of monetizing your place in that world it's helpful to have a goddamn blue little check mark next to your name oh, yeah. which, i mean it legitimizes the whole thing so that's part of it and really just like an overall follower count follower count of like, like you said the platform like if my platform i would choose to use it to just reach out to more people of like hey here's what i'm doing you know i'm working with clients here's some before and after pictures like i can fucking help you ask me questions um, or, like use me as a resource I, I really do man like I know it sounds cliche but like I fucking love helping people I love seeing yeah. the difference that people see in themselves even after like two weeks so like you know the simple bullshit and just like going on a two three mile walk every day you'll see some changes yeah. oh yeah it really is so rewarding I have my personal training certification too and I was doing online coaching for a little while um and it is like just seeing what a difference it makes in people's lives because when you get control, I always say control the controllables. Like when you control, yeah. there's a lot of shit in your life that you can't control. Like you can't control what happens at your job and you can't control what happens. You can to some extent like in your marriage or your relationships or with your kids or whatever. But like you can control what you do with your body, what you put in your body. And, um, when you take control of those things, it really does bleed through in every other area of your like aspect of your life. And so it's so yeah. rewarding as a coach or just as a person, a friend, whatever, to have given somebody something that was able, that they were able to take and to better themselves with. Like it, it's definitely feels good. 
dude, one of my, so one of my like really good friends, Chris Fazio, he like, he was shooting me the shit. We were shooting the shit the other day and he was like, so grocery stores. And I was like, what about them? And he's like, any tricks? And I was like, shop the outside. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, all the natural whole food type stuff is going to be along the outside of the grocery store. I was like, go in the aisles for like peanut butter and like whole wheat bread. I was like, everything else should be along the outside. And like, he went shopping with his wife and was like, oh my God. And I was like, no shit. I'm going to remember like, that too. I get myself in trouble in those middle aisles. Yeah, the aisles are what I, fucking kills you. When I go in, I do. Like, I go around the store this way and then I go back. Like, I wouldn't need anything in the center aisles. Yeah. And- things i get out of the center aisle is the bullshit i don't need like it's like all all i really do in the center aisles is like peanut butter condiments and then like whole wheat bread what's your do you eat healthy are you like are you always eating clean do you have some cheat days are you like i eat clean during the week and eat like shit on the weekends like i'm 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 pretty like psychopath clean to where like if I was, you know, training and coaching, I wouldn't want somebody to try to like match me because I think that would lead to burnout right away. Yeah. But I've been doing it for such a long time. Where, like I'll mix up meal preps and shits where I kind of keep it interesting. But for the most part, I don't really like schedule a cheat meal. I'll do my thing. I'll do like a, I'll have a night where I'm kind of just, I'll do like $35 of barbecue. I'll do like fucking ribs and like brisket. But even that, like, people give me shit. Like, my brother will give me shit. He's like, dude, even that's not that bad for you. It's not, no. And it's really fucking not. Like, it's... <laughs> not whenever you're eating all of it. Well, I'm pretty much dairy-free, so, like, pizza's out of the question. Ice cream's out of the question. I eat clean, like, very clean. I meal prep every single week. I never eat a meal outside of my meal plan. I don't eat, like, pizza or cheeseburgers or whatever. Like, I always stick to my meals, but... I struggle my ass off lately with sweets. And especially I do it, like I can tell when I'm like, I'm upset right now. Something upset me and I'm gonna go eat some chocolate. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'm sad and I wanna fucking eat chocolate and I'm gonna do it. What would your like advice be? My, I know I'm driving my coach crazy so I don't even talk to her about it anymore. Cause she's like, stop doing it. And she'll tell me like, eat berries or whatever and I think the biggest part of my struggle has been um when I was doing bodybuilding and I knew I had a show that I was competing for that like I had a goal and something to work towards and that kept me on track and then whenever I realized like I don't really even like bodybuilding like I like the whole process except for the show aspect of it it's just not me like the bikini and the spray tan and the cheap like it's just not it's not me and so I had a hard time sticking to the plan when I started feeling like that because I was like, I'm prepping for something I don't give a shit about. So then I kind of yeah. quit. And now it's like, I just want to maintain and like be healthy, but I know it's not healthy to like <laughs> eat as many sweets as I do. What would like your, what's like one thing that you would, that you struggle with the most with eating and how do you stay away from it? So mine's the same shit, man. Mine would be a sweet tooth. And I would say, Three things. So dark chocolate almonds are like. I love chocolate nuts. Mine's chocolate covered peanuts. Oh. Yeah, but all right. So dark chocolate, which again like has the sugar, but it's not gonna fucking kill you. Oh, you're saying that's what you eat? Like. Yeah, yeah. For me, like, yeah, yeah. Like if I'm like, like same shit with you, man. Like if I'm like hitting my fucking point of where I've just had like ground turkey or chicken too many days in a row. 
and like you're starting to like lose your sanity a little bit, I'll, I'll that's when I'll do like the barbecue and like dark chocolate almonds. Okay. I do that, and then another thing I do is you need like casein protein powder and um, like some powdered peanut butter and like some cinnamon and like some almond milk, and you whisk it with like a little oh, bit of almond milk. You make it into like a pudding. And you eat that before bed? Yeah, with like some berries or like put it on like apple slices or a banana. Ooh, I've never done that. Like, I'll have friends that are like, oh, like I would know that it's not pudding. And I'm like, no fucking shit. I'm like, that's not the point. I'm like, the point is, is it satisfies that sweet tooth and it's still like pretty good for you. Like it's still kind of keeping me on track and like I'm not going off the rails because of the sweet tooth. Yeah, like, Casey, good, man. Like, most people get like their sweet tooth or their shitty food cravings late in the evening, and yeah, casein protein is exactly. great to eat because it's like what a slow release protein. Yeah, that's like the like six but, to eight hour window of release. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to. I haven't tried it like on fruit or with berries or whatever, and that's I the, was I do that a lot. Yeah, it's kind of fucking money too. Like they're like if you get the or you can even use like chocolate milk as a liquid and like. Oh, keep adding a little bit at a time, and then whip it and whip it, and then it'll get to that like pudding consistency. Ah, I'm gonna have to try that. I haven't had it in a while. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Or just say fucking do like the dark chocolate almonds because those are really good too. Doing that way too much. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was awesome getting to know you more and getting to. Um, hear about your experience on the show and everything. Where can everybody find you on social media? Um, so really, everything's pretty much built off of Instagram, which is just underscore Andrew Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z underscore. And like all of us put F-Boy Island next to our name. So like Andrew Dietz, F-Boy Island should come up. Twitter's the same shit. Twitter's just underscore Andrew Dietz. Kind of just like, kind of working into the Twitter world. Still new there. Can people, are you um, currently accepting online coaching clients i would say not yet i would say like i would i would accept some inquiries because i'm in the process now of like adding all my shit um okay but like i said man anyone that has questions reach out i'd love to help i'd love to connect and then when i do kind of like formalize my stance and my position then i'll be able to like really legitimize the the working relationship of it all feel free to reach out about like anything in that world yeah thank you i'm excited to um continue watching you grow and see see where you go from here and yeah sounds good man thank you appreciate it have a good one and in case nobody has told you yet today i love you you